Welcome to eHealth Talk, a podcast from Health Informatics New Zealand and hosted by me, editor of eHealth News, Rebecca Macbeth. This podcast provides a regular roundup of news and views from across New Zealand's data and digital health sector. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Kia ora, welcome to eHealth Talk NZ. Thanks to Spark Health for sponsoring this podcast episode, where we are discussing patient-controlled records as a means of patient empowerment and Spark Health's digital solution, Kete Waiora. I'm joined today by Chief Executive of Spark Health, Will Reedy, Get Real Health Executive and Founding Partner, Robin Wiener, and Get Real Health Vice President of Clinical Insights, Jennifer Bowers. Welcome to all of you, and can you start by telling our listeners about Get Real Health and how you came to work with Spark Health, Robin? We have known Spark for uh, at least four or five years now, Well, probably. Um, um, got to know them at the HINS conference, I guess, four years ago. So we've had kind of a conversation with them for a few years. And so for as far as Get Real Health is concerned, we have been around for uh, 22 years, and we have been really in the patient engagement uh, which is a patient portal, working with patients um, for the last 12 years of that time. And we really have expanded all around the, the world. And what our whole goal is to be able to really put healthcare back in the patient's hands. And that's kind of where we all started. It was, you know, when we, we began um, this journey, it was all about how do we empower the patient to, to take care of their own health and connect them better into their uh into their caregivers. And that was kind of a passion for us. And since then it has grown and grown and grown. And um, the company has uh, expanded. We've got a, a lot of patients around the world on the platform. So Get Real Health really started as a, just a thought and has expanded to an area where we've got about two, a little over two and a half million people on the platform. So uh, kind of exciting. And Will, what is Kete Waiora? Can you tell us about that? And why did Spark Health choose to work with Get Real Health to develop the digital solution? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. So about four years ago, we wrote the vision and strategy for Spark Health. And our vision has a 10-year horizon. And we were thinking about, as a digital services company, what could we do to make a difference? So our vision was helping all New Zealanders live healthier lives through the power of technology. So we think there's a real role for digital tools in the hands of New Zealanders to improve health and wellness for all New Zealanders. Uh, And in that context, we wrote a strategy as well that said, look, ideally by 2030, which is nearly eight years away, um, that New Zealanders um, have digital tools, uh, they can navigate the health system, they can interact with clinicians virtually or face-to-face. And as we collect data, uh, we can support some of those customer experiences or uh, care journeys with artificial intelligence and machine learning. So that's our our wider vision and strategy. And connected to that was a general trend around the world, um, which Get Real Health are a part of, to move to patient empowerment and allowing uh, patients or New Zealanders in our context uh, to be empowered to manage their health and wellness, whether they're healthy and well uh, or they've got a, a chronic disease that ideally they're managing in a healthy and optimised way. So what we did uh, was we thought about what personal empowerment would look like um, and a patient control or a personally held record was a key digital or tool that we thought was important. Uh, so we went on a journey um, and we first uh, 
thing we did was we went on a branding or naming journey and we came up with Kite Whitewater, which translates to, in Tereo, the basket of health and wellness information and the concept being that New Zealanders, family, whanau, hapu, iwi communities could carry the record of health and wellness information that they've co-created with summary information from providers around in a mobile app and through privacy and consent capability that were found in Get Real Health, be able to share that information um, as they traversed the health system, which is still quite fragmented. So the, the journey that we went on in terms of uh, our relationship with Get Real Health is we actually identified that uh, a personal health record required a digital health platform investment, and we wanted to use that investment to create a digital health ecosystem. Because as New Zealanders traverse the health system, there's a number of different providers that they interact with who have a wide range of clinical systems. So we, we wrote a strategy for Kite Waiwara, um, and the key elements of that strategy were what things did New Zealanders want uh, in a personal health record, and, and it's broadly three things. One is the ability to enter information about themselves and, and share their health information, um, their experience of the health system, so they can share that with family, whanau, and providers that they interact with, was number one. Number two was the ability to state their preferences around what we call telehealth. So, hey, I want to interact by phone or voice or text or app notifications or video conferencing or secure messaging. Uh, so I've got this record. I now want to use multiple digital channels depending on what my preferences are and what my provider's preferences are to interact digitally. And the third thing that was really important in terms of patient empowerment was the ability to book appointments with any provider I interact with. It's not just about the GP, the pharmacist, the hospital specialist, um, the chiropractor, etc. So those are the three things that we talked about in our strategy that um, a personal health record needed to have and ultimately that would empower patients to manage their health and wellness. Interestingly, we wrote a business case within Spark Health and then we ran an international RFP process. Um, and we went out to market through an international RFP process. We had about six responses and we ran an evaluation and we chose Get Real Health as our partner in terms of empowering New Zealanders with health and wellness with digital tools. We chose Get Real Health for three reasons. Um, the first one was their solution was leading edge, and they are leading a lot of the personal health record type work around the world. Um, they also uh, give us the ability at Spark Health on how to implement and drive adoption of personal health records, uh, given their experience offshore. Pro probably the most important one was their cultural fit with Spark Health. Um, so you'll hear from Robin and, and Jen throughout uh, this podcast is that they're very aligned to our vision for patient empowerment and health and wellness. Um, they're very aligned to our mission, and but most importantly, our values within Spark Health. So our values are advocate for equity, do the right thing, uh, think big but start small, and you hear a little bit more about that in terms of how we've chosen Kite Waiwara and how we're going to implement it um, and play to our strengths. So uh, you know we, we understand the New Zealand health market, um, but certainly get real health, provide us with that personal health record platform and adoption expertise to augment what we have here in New Zealand with Spark Health. So a little bit of a background on uh, why Spark Health has gone down the personal health record path and a little bit about um, the naming, Kite Waiwara, and how we chose our partner, Get Real Health. Great, thank you, Will. And Jennifer, can you just talk us through a little bit more about that alignment that you see between Get Real Health and Spark Health? 
And following on from that, I was interested in Will's comment there about um, patients being able to enter their own information. I know that that might be of concern to some clinicians who feel that they're going to get some data overload. So I was just wondering if you can talk through international experience around um, patients entering their own information into an um, electronic health record such as this. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would just, right along with Will, just want to say that we really are aligned in our passions and our and our mission for our companies. Um, we're all trying to just get all of the citizens um, to have access to their health care and give them the power to be able to use that information to um, help them manage their own health care. Um, so it, it, we found it to be a great partnership. Um, and we really look at that sort of thing when we um, go after partnerships. We want people who share our passion um, because it's what we, why we do what we do. Um, so it's been a great relationship, um, and we look forward to, to a much longer relationship. Um, on the patient-entered data, um, this is something, this fear of um, providers and this information is something that we've seen around the world. Um, I will say that it has started to lighten up a little bit, um, and we do have many of our um, customers that allow for patients to enter certain data. Um, and then maybe just mark that data as self-entered. Every piece of data that comes into the tool has a source attached to it. So everybody would know what the source is. Um, in addition, just some simple wording um, on the site to let people know that you know this information might not be seen in a certain period of time, that it's really to, to store your information for the next time you see your provider. Um, and if you feel that you need to get that information to them um, before then, then you could send a message um, as opposed to just assuming that they're going to see that information. So just a, really, again, the communication um, with um, within the site uh, to kind of push patients into entering that data and engaging with that data, but also understanding um, where those touch points will be with the provider. Yeah, and Will, you're obviously a doctor as well, and I know that you are um, spending some time on the clinical floor at the moment. Can you give us your perspective on what is an empowered patient and what's the difference between a patient portal and what we've got here with a patient-controlled record? Yeah, I think it's a good question around what patient empowerment is because it varies widely around the world and to how it's defined. I think I just might reflect on a piece of work I did about six years ago here in New Zealand, um, and it really helped us think about personally held records. It was a piece of work that I led um, when I was uh, inaugural chair of the advisory group for HEDA. And what we actually did was we said, hey, in the next 10 years, it was 2016 when we did this, um, do New Zealanders want a digital experience to manage their health and wellness and be empowered? So we went around the country and actually asked New Zealanders across a variety of cities and a variety of key settings um, whether they wanted a digital experience to be empowered to manage their health and what that could look like so they can actually articulate, hey, these are the digital experiences that we want. And then we got down to a level of detail where we said what health information is really important to you to be empowered to manage, manage your health and wellness. So the first one was they wanted to have shared care plans so they could actually generate a care plan for their health and wellness with providers or, or by themselves if they're healthy and well. So I guess the first answer is what is patient empowerment is health information from a provider and a patient perspective that allows um, New Zealanders to participate in their care planning was, is probably number one. Uh, number two, in terms of information they're interested in, was the ability to tell their story about their health care either in an unstructured or, or structured way, like the narrative of 
the journey they've got in terms of maybe they've got multiple diseases like diabetes and ischemic heart disease. They want to record that they've got that themselves. They want to collect blood glucose or blood sugar levels. They want to record their blood pressure with their own wearables. But importantly, they want to... um, share that experience with providers when they need to go see providers, say for a diabetes checkup or a hypertension hypertension checkup as well. Then the third thing that they're really interested in, in terms of information that they would have access to, is what's the national information and what care are they entitled to, whether it's ACC funded or disability funded or what have you, they wanted to know what they are entitled to so they can make decisions about um, what providers they interacted with. So my roundabout answer to patient empowerment was participating in care planning with digital tools, recording my information about my conditions in my own way, as well as using health wearables to manage my health and wellness so I could share that with providers to show that I'm progressing against that care plan. And the third thing is understanding what services I'm entitled to um, so I can actually navigate the health system myself and be empowered to do that. So that's how I think about patient empowerment from a very much a customer experience piece of work that we did in 2016 asking New Zealanders what patient empowerment meant to them and then what information or digital tools uh, would help them with that. Now, what's the difference between a patient portal uh, and a patient-controlled record? It's a really good question. We spend quite a bit of time at Spark Health alongside Get Real Health explaining what a personally controlled or personally held record is versus a patient portal. I think there's about 13 or 14 patient portals in New Zealand. They almost always work in terms of a one-to-one interaction between ourselves and our GP. Typically, the three things you can do is book an appointment, request a repeat prescription, and view what the GP has recorded about your health care. Uh, so very much it's uh, one person to one GP or one GP practice, and it's you looking at what the provider's written about you, if that kind of makes sense. The personal health record um, completely flips that and says, hey, the record's owned by the patient family whānau. Uh, it's mainly got patient entered data in it or consumer entered data in it and then it's augmented by summary data from various providers and I'll give you some really pragmatic examples of that in terms of the work we're doing with Get Real Health in New Zealand. It's access to your GP summary from MedTech as an example, Um, it's access to your community nursing summary from Indice as an example that the patient or family can see in addition to all the information um, that the patients entered themselves so that's one big difference between a patient portal and a patient or personal held record that's controlled by the patient. The other big difference is um, with the ownership of that information, a sophisticated um, security and consent model that allows the patient to share the record with other family members, care navigators, and then uh, what information can be shared with other providers, for example, outside their GP or community nurse. And so um, the personal health record really does control what data is collected and what data is shared down to a level of read the record, modify the record of a patient, or just choose certain data items. And I'll give you a really good example. You've heard a few times before, Rebecca, that I fall off my mountain bike all the time. Um, So I'll go and see a GP with a sore back and maybe see a physio, but maybe I want to see a chiropractor um, just to get a correction done. And I don't know how many of you have been to see chiropractors in terms of the listeners, but you go there, you fill out three pages of your past medical history, allergies, your alerts, etc. So what Kitewa allows you to do is go, hey, I'm seeing a chiropractor for three 
um, consultations and I'm, instead of me filling out paper forms, I can just send my record to them as a secure email or a secure link to their system and they can see digitally uh, what my medical conditions are, what medications I'm on, what allergies I have, if I have any family history, have I had this injury before, do I smoke, um, all those types of things. So that's that's the idea. It's, it's quite a different thing to a, a traditional GP patient portal that we see here in New Zealand today. Mm, thanks for that explanation. Um, so Jennifer and Robin, I'm interested about where your passion for patient-controlled records and empowerment springs from. Well, for, for me, it was being a clinical oncology nurse for many, many years and sending my patients home with a piece of paper telling them to write down their symptoms that they're having at home in between chemotherapy treatments, knowing that oftentimes that would never happen. Um, they wouldn't get that information filled out. They'd come back to their for their next um, treatment and we dose treatments off of these symptoms. You know, if they say, well, I, I didn't eat for three days, um, or I had fevers, that sort of thing, we might be treating them differently. But without an easy, an easy is the key, an easy way to record that information, um, we often didn't get that information. Um, and it was sometimes to the detriment of the patients. Um, and then I became a patient um, and I realized that I was constantly repeating myself. I had to tell my story so many times um, and it's a lot to tell. And you're not often in a place that you want to be telling your story all the time. So how great it would be to have a tool. In fact, I used um, a record in one of our demo sites to create myself a record so that I could then share my health information um, with my providers. It unfortunately had to print and bring, but at least I had it. Um, so it, it really comes from both being um, a provider and a patient. One of the things we find with patients too is they're not feeling well. They're not going to remember. They're not going to be able to tell you all that information. And I know I, I supported Jen through her her um, cancer um, journey, and I went with her to meetings, and she would forget. The reason I'm so passionate about it, and I have a son who's a type 1 diabetic, and when that happens to you in life, you realize how important all those details are out there. And being naive to the healthcare, not like um, Dr. Reedy and Jen, I wasn't in the healthcare world, so I couldn't understand why that wasn't happening. I could bank. I could go to a bank, you know, and pull money out of the ATM. I could do all these things. So why can't I just do that with healthcare? It didn't make sense to us. So as a technology, part of a technology team, we're like, wait a second, why can't we do this? Why this is crazy? Why can't we do it? So that's where we came from. It not so much on the being a caregiver in the sense of the healthcare side of it. We came just logically saying, why can't we do this? It doesn't make sense. Why can't I have that information in, at my fingertips? So that's where our passion came out. And we all have had different chronic diseases and we have family members. We just didn't make, it didn't make sense to me why that wasn't simple. And that's kind of where we started. Um, and it's been able to utilize it in the patient engagement, patient portal, whatever you want to call it, is finally getting that patient to be able to be part of the conversation with the docs and making that information transferable during those things. And that came, the way we started is back here in the United States, we had a huge hurricane about 20 years ago called Katrina. And it wiped out all, um, think about it, um, your house got flooded, the doctor's offices got flooded, and the, uh, you know, everything went, well, don't worry, they're on the servers at the hospital, which the floods came in and actually blew up those servers, right? 
So people are going over to Texas and saying, I'm, I'm on a cancer regimen. And they're like, where are you on that? I, I don't know. Or I'm on some medicine, medicine. And they said, what, what kind of medication? Well, it's a pink pill, right? Because they didn't have access to it anymore. And they didn't know what to do because everything was ruined. So that's where we started to go, wait a second. Why is it like that? Why can't we do it? So that's where we took working with our friends at Microsoft at that time, took it and put it up into the cloud securely. So it doesn't matter where you are, what's happening in your life, you can actually get that information. So we got really passionate about it and then be able to create this all the way along and kind of expanded it as the world has expanded with us on new technology. Great. Thanks, Robin. I was also interested in what other countries or organizations uh, Get Real Health is working with. Can you provide some examples of projects overseas? So we are internationally. We are up in Canada. We've got over um, 1.2 million people using the platform in Canada. Um, overseas, we're in um, in the UK. We've got multiple people using in the UK and in Wales. We're also in the Netherlands. We have just recently gone live in the Middle East in the um, UAE for Abu Dhabi, uh, the, all the citizens there. And of course, here in, in New Zealand and Australia. But so our international footprint is pretty large. But of course, in the United States, we've got close to a million people using the platform in the U.S. Um, and Jen, do you want to dive into a couple of the really kind of unique, cool um, projects we're working on right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because we do often work with telcos and our one of our other largest partners is um, TELUS in Canada. Um, and their goal is really to be able to bring all Canadians their health in their hand and um, and be able to allow them to move through the country and always have access to that health care. Um, and this is really what we see all over the world, people are struggling with the same problems. Um, and um, it's really been quite fascinating to see as we go into different countries that that everybody has the base, the same base problems. Um, they want their citizens to have access to their healthcare. They want their citizens to engage. They want their citizens to be healthier. Um, and um, so again, in, in Canada, they're just wanting those, those patients to get that information. Um, in the United Kingdom, um, we're working with a hospital system that is in multiple hospitals around the, around the country. And, um, they're really doing specific use cases. Um, they're really proving that, um, in a specific use case of prostate cancer, that men, um, being able to have access to a tool like this, being able to communicate with their provider, um, having the knowledge of their disease, um, their treatments, um, they, they tolerate their treatments um, and they get healthier faster. Um, they're doing multiple different use cases. Um, one of them just happens to be prostate cancer. So they're much more specific into um, specific um, chronic diseases. Um, in Abu Dhabi, um, that's it's an HIE we're working with, a health information exchange. Um, and that again is to bring people's healthcare all together in one place um, so that the citizens have access. Um, the United States is the one that's a little bit different because of the insurance um, world in the United States, whereas citizens around the world, their governments are contributing to their health care, uh, contributing to the cost of their health care. So there is that desire for um, uh, different governments around the world um, to improve the health of their um, of their citizens. 
in the United States, insurance is very different. Um, so it's much more monetized by private sector and, um, you know, not always the most altruistic um, um, vision. Um, so yes, the insurance companies want to get to healthier um, to keep their costs down. Um, so what we see in the United States is just a little bit different. We're working with hospital systems as opposed to governments. Um, and the hospital systems really are just wanting to be able to communicate with their um, with their patients, uh, give them the information they need to keep them loyal to their hospital systems because it's a business. Um, and that's one of the big things. Um, one of the things that we can do that, that many of our competitors can't do is bring different EMRs together. So the electronic medical records, some of our, the hospitals we work with in the US have multiple EMRs. Um, and each of those EMRs has a patient portal, um, you know, not a patient empowerment tool. So what we've been able to do is integrate with those different EMRs and bring that data together into one place to create that patient empowerment tool, which will explain very well the difference between the two. Um, and it, it is true, it's something that people have um, thought, put a lot of thought into what the difference is and of the terminology. So, Will, who's your initial target audience for Kete Wilder in New Zealand, and how do you think that might change over time? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think I reflect on the health systems report a little bit, and the system remains complex and fragmented with over 6,000 providers. Um, at Spark Health, we break the, the sector, those 6,000 providers, into what we call market segments, and we have two broad market segments. Uh, secondary and tertiary care, which is anything in public and private hospitals, and primary and community care, which is effectively anything that happens outside hospital walls, is, is the two simple ways we think about it. And so in the primary community care space, that's what our focus is with Kite Wairora. Um, and then we actually break it into more segments in primary community. So the three kind of uh, types of organisation we're focusing on at the moment uh, where there is interest and demand, and I'll give you some examples shortly, are uh, the PHOs, which there's 31 of them in New Zealand today, um, the Iwi Māori Partnership Boards that are being formed particularly in the context of the locality projects, um, and the last kind of broad category is what we call allied health providers, so that's chains of physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech-language therapists, um, so that has been our focus, um, I guess, in terms of uh, the business case we wrote, the, the care setting we're going to focus on, and then we're getting that equal um, response, if you like, from those three market segments I just shared with you in terms of the demand for a personally held record to drive some of the digital transformation that they're seeking to do. Um, it's, it's interesting in terms of choosing that market segment because the publication of Te Pai Tata, the Interim New Zealand Health Plan, talks specifically about focusing digital technologies into communities and into localities. So there's, there's six actions and a number of them talk about um, more digital services um, being deployed into the localities or into the, what I call the old districts to keep people at home or keep them in their communities and, and having consistent digital tools for that. Um, as Jen talked to, um, Get Real Health's platform, which powers Kite Wairora, uh, interoperates or integrates with um, a wide range of what we call electronic medical records. So I guess our focus at the moment, if you're a PHO, is you're integrating to a range of GP systems. Um, if you're an allied health provider, it's very much like the GP sector. Physios and OTs have four or five different clinical systems they use across the country today. Um, and then what's more interesting is in the Iwi Māori Partnership Board space, 
Um, they've got a real focus on Te Whare Tapawha, um, which is that whole piece around spiritual, emotional, mental and physical health and wellness. So I guess what New Zealand would typically call social determinants of health. So not only do they want us to integrate to GP systems and community nursing systems and hospital systems, they actually want us to integrate to social services systems um, in the localities as well. So there's a full view of the social services and the health services for want of a better description that are being delivered to a, a particular whānau or hapu or iwi. So our focus is primary community, um, but certainly that doesn't stop us in terms of offering kite water into the private and public hospitals uh, across New Zealand. Um, and there's a couple of private hospitals who are interested in that as well. And a number of those cases, interestingly, coming back to the question you asked before, uh, there are these organisations are looking at to replace their current GP patient portals with a new digital experience with Kiti Waiwara. So what we're finding um, at the moment is a number of those uh, customers, um, three of them looking to come on board in the new year in terms of deploying Kiti Waiwara, are actually swapping out their GP patient portals to provide their customers, for want of a better description, with a fuller digital experience. So it's, it's quite interesting in terms of the market uh, at this point in time and our focus. Exciting times ahead. We'll be interested to hear how that progresses. Robin, I was wondering, from your global experience, um, has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted on patients' awareness and demand for these types of digital solutions? Absolutely. Um, Patients didn't realise how much they needed it until COVID hit. It was a nice-to-have and it was interesting, but when you are stuck at home and you need to talk to your your provider and you want to be able to share the information what's happening with you before you would go into the office or you take your blood pressure or they would ask you some questions and etc here you want to be able to communicate with them and give them as much information as possible with our system you can connect into um, third-party applications and devices so you could do your your blood pressure you can do your glucose levels real time with the doctors and patients started to realize, well, this is really important. The other thing that came out is the convenience of it. Um, you don't have to get in your car and drive all the way over to a doctor's office for them to review your labs with them. They can take the 15 minutes you'd be at, at your office, 15 minutes you jump on with your, your doctor and be able to review your labs or ask a simple question. To be able to do those kind of pieces were so important that during COVID, it was a have, had to. This is something we needed to do. And now it's a, it's a demand of from the citizens that they want to be able to do it. So a couple things. It drove the knowledge that there were things like that out there that were important. It showed the convenience. Here in the U- U.S., it was finally reimbursable for the doctors. So that was a big push. But now um, patients will not accept not being able to do telehealth calls and be able to share real information with their doctors and um, caregivers at real times when needed. So I believe it's something that was nice to have and now it's a must have. Great. And Jennifer, what would you say um, are the benefits that empowered patients bring to the health system as a whole? We've talked a lot about the benefits to the patients, but what about the system? Well, it makes them active participants, giving them the knowledge um, about their health and how to improve their health puts that in their hands and empowers them to want to make significant change as opposed to the previous system where it was just a provider told you what to do but you never understood the why you never 
had the benefit of seeing and understanding your information. Um, I think with that knowledge uh, comes the power to be able to be active participants in your health and actually contribute um, to improving your health, which helps the whole system. Did you have anything to add to that, Will, from your perspective in terms of what you would hope something like Kite World could give back to the system as a whole, perhaps releasing time to care? You know, we know we're under a lot of pressure at the moment in many ways. And yeah, it's, it's a really interesting uh, area for New Zealand to consider. If you look at um, offshore, and I guess Jen and Robin have talked about their experience with Get Real Health. I've had very similar experiences offshore before I came home five years ago. And I guess there's a general um, piece where, in a lot of health systems, patients and their families are a capacity that's not used to manage health and wellness, if you kind of think about it that way. So if you provide them with health and wellness information, they become empowered, they become more self-sufficient, and they don't become so reliant um, on providers or healthcare organisations. And so there's good evidence offshore and business cases that say if you provide this experience to patients, it's not just about them, it's also around um, using unused capacity of patients and their families to manage the health and wellness. And that's really a qualitative thing, but it does actually have a quantitative benefit in terms of number of appointments that are booked, um, moving to cheaper virtual care than face-to-face care, those types of things. So that's the first um, kind of element in terms of benefits. Um, I also think it saves a lot of provider time. So the way uh, we think of things uh, at Spark Health is every digital service, in this particular case, Kiti Waiora, delivers on something called the quadruple aim. So it's sustainability of the health system, lowering cost. Um, it's around more data for population health. So Kiti Waiora helps augment provider entered information to actually plan care better, particularly for the burden of chronic disease. Um, the, the next area is improving patient satisfaction, uh, which generally means that, uh, they're happy with the experience and don't consume the health system so much. But the other big area that Keto Biowater actually hit, you know, I know we started talking about patient entering their information and sharing it with providers. There's good evidence offshore that if patients own their data and share it with providers, it actually increases provider satisfaction. Um, so they're not asking 100 questions every time they see us. Um, and they can get right to asking the right questions in terms of your history and examining you to make a diagnosis. So that's I do see some benefit in that because... Um, uh, it will help providers kind of have that information in a digital format that's easy to read and digest. And I think a really important piece that Robin talked about before was um, how often we as patients or consumers of the health system forget about elements of our medical history. And you see the doctor, they ask you a question, or you see the nurse and you forget about it, and it's actually a material piece of information um, that may have changed um, the outcome or the diagnosis from that visit. So um, in short, um, there is good evidence offshore, not in New Zealand, of qualitative and quantitative benefits of personal health records um, from a cost perspective, from a patient perspective, and from a provider perspective, which is uh, really needed in New Zealand at the moment, to be fair. Um, and that's a lot of what those providers I talked about before are looking for, is, is more efficiency and better care. Just to add on to something that we've seen here, too, with now being able to do virtual care and having these these pieces, in parts of our country, during um, some of the the, um, the doctors are talking to us about how they don't see patients at certain top part of the times of the year. Um, elder patient might not come in between November and um, April here because that's our that's our winter season, and they're too scared to drive, so they lose that sense of care for those periods of time. So now they can be able to do virtual care and with the patient engagement platforms and et cetera, 
they're actually able to take care of their patients in a much better way. So they're not coming in when the thaw comes and they're incredibly sick. So we have seen a, a increase of patient care and patient involvement by giving them tools they're able to utilize to be able to take care of the care, but also communicate through the internet to be able to communicate to those doctors to stay healthy. Yeah, it's that key prevention piece, isn't it? Catching people early rather than being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, as they say. Um, well, I was interested, we did a um, great webinar on this recently as well, but digital trust is obviously an important component of patient-controlled health records. Can you explain what that is and how you've approached that as part of the Kete Wilder solution? Yeah, it's really interesting journey for us in terms of bringing Kete Wilder into New Zealand. So I talked a little bit before about the personal health record piece, the ability to book appointments and choosing what digital channel you use to interact with providers across the health system. And so that's the first kind of level of when we're talking to some of the, um, uh, I guess, care providers in primary and community care. The very next conversation is around digital trust. Um, and it's, in my words, it's a showstopper. If you haven't thought about it, um, it quickly stops it. Hey, you've got this personal health record idea and you want patients and their families to do this. Is it digitally trusted? And if you have a mm, answer, the conversation doesn't go much further. So for us, digital trust is a mixture of consent um, and uh, effectively Kite Waiwara and the providers we're talking to, it's an optional service that patients and their family or whānau opt into. Um, so there's a whole consent piece. And then as part of that consent, uh, we manage what information is stored in Kite Waiwara and stored uh, from providers in Kite Waiwara as part of the onboarding process. There's a whole lot of privacy controls that providers expect, but also patients actually expect. Um, and then also making sure it's secure. And we've heard about all the recent cyber attacks here in New Zealand, Waikato DHB, Toyota Compass, Pinnacle recently. Um, so security of that data day-to-day is all really important as well. So for us, um, we front-footed digital trust um, as a key enabler of adoption of personal health records. If there's no digital trust, they won't be adopted. If you offer it and you break digital trust, that'll stop adoption right there from our perspective. So what we did is in that RFP process I talked about before when we went to market, we actually stipulated requirements, what we call functionally and technically, of privacy, consent and security. And then we basically built out the solution. Uh, for example, we've hosted it here in New Zealand from a data sovereignty perspective. So when you go to Kiwis and say, hey, your personal health record, please enter the information. Oh, where's it stored? It's stored in New Zealand. It's not stored offshore is a kind of a key piece for us. Um, and uh, the privacy and consent models are quite an interesting discussion to have. Um, and we're finding that with providers is because the digital tools for New Zealand is uh, aren't that advanced in New Zealand. Um, what we're finding is a, uh, a platform that's proven like Get Real Health introduces privacy and consent rules um, that New Zealanders aren't used to seeing. So the ability to say, hey, I can be the custodian for my father who's got dementia and you can manage um, me accessing his record and making decisions for him and entering data about him. In other cases, I might access my uh, teenage child's record who's under 14 and I can read and modify their record. Um, but my adult children who are, say, 20, they may give me access to their record but read only or they can block it altogether in that context. And the same applies to providers as well. The last thing uh, which is interesting to share with you 
is we've been working with Te Whatu Water around the security side of things um, uh, from that perspective. So Kitiwai Water integrates to services on Hera. Um, so we've been through a whole process to make sure that uh, when we connect Kitiwai Water to Hera, for example, to get the uh, NHI for every New Zealander to set up their record, that's done securely um, and has been penetration tested. Um, and then Robin and Jen are in the middle of external cyber security testing of Kitiwai Water with us right now. Um, that's due to be completed at the end of November. Um, and if there's anything that we find in that, um, we basically have a path to remediate some of that finding. But effectively, we've hired a company to try and hack Kitiwai Water as an external party to get Real Health and Spark Health to see if there's any issues there. And um, that's after we've been through external internal security testing with our Spark security team as well. So we're taking it pretty seriously um, and uh, are going through a process to make sure it's really secure on top of the privacy and consent model as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. It's interesting bringing a personal health record into New Zealand for the first time, but your digital trust is pretty much a, a showstopper um, if you don't have the capability built into the platform uh, out of the box, so to speak. So um, we'll be sharing um, a lot of that uh, at Digital Health Week and how we've done that, but we're also sharing that conversation with a lot of uh, customers at the moment in terms of helping them understand digital trust and then how we've addressed it with QTY Water. Right, and speaking of Digital Health Week, Robin and Jennifer, you'll be coming to New Zealand soon to attend that in Rotorua, so that'll be great to have you in person. I'm sure you're both looking forward to the trip. Can you give us a little sneak peek of your presentations? Well, first off, we're incredibly excited to uh, get on a flight to come down to New Zealand. Um, it's it's a dream here in the United States for anybody to be able to go to New Zealand. It's one of those places that everybody talks about. So um, I've been there before, Jen has not. So we're very excited. Um, we can talk a little bit about, first off, we're excited to be partnering with Spark at, at, the, um, at the conference and being able to be really supportive to them. Uh, we've heard a lot about what their journey is going to look like, and we're excited to not only work with them, and Jen can dive into she just met with their, their, their team on exactly what we're going to be doing, but I know personally I'll be sitting on a couple panels, having conversations with real people down in New Zealand, listening to what they are looking for and making sure that our platform can actually really understand the world in New Zealand and making sure our platform platform is built to actually support the the citizens of New Zealand. So I'll be not only telling everybody about our, our pieces, but also doing a lot of listening and understanding where we need to go to make sure that we continue to support um, the citizens of New Zealand. So super excited. It's been great. And Jen, I know you just talked with uh, Claire, and there are some really interesting things that we're going to be doing there. Yeah, we, we were able to get a sneak peek of the booth, and it's really exciting and I'm so excited to see it in person. Um, so what I've been doing um, is what I do here um, at Get Real Health or one of the things that I do is really support with the demoing of the tools. So bringing the tool to life and um, and being able to help people understand what the power of, of um, our tools are. Um, so I've been working with the Spark team to make sure that the demos that they're going to be giving to um, any potential um, clients um, will will look good because demo information is very different than regular patient information the way you want to show it in a demo. So I'm supporting in that way, as Robin said, um, speaking on a panel 
um, and just really excited to have some conversations um, with um, a bunch of the people that I've been talking to for months and months um, on different um, um, uh, different organizations that Spark's been talking to. Uh, so really excited to, to get on the ground there and um, actually have conversations face to face. Great, and we look forward to having you. And Will, I'm sure if people want to learn more, they can also find you or a member of your team at Digital Health Week. Yeah, yes, they can. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing um, Jen and, and Robin and another member of the Get Real Health team, Jeannie, join us in a little over 10 days. I think that's how far away we are now. Um, on our digital village stand for Spark Health. Um, and so, yes, um, our team and obviously the Get Real Health team will be dressed in our, our traditional green and white T-shirts uh, for the week um, as a wider whānau and, uh, yes, um, doing a thought leadership presentation, doing a seminar, running demos on the stand and we'll also be showing some integrated health wearables so um, attendees can see how the health wearables piece works with QT Order as well. So, yeah, the... The combined team will be working on the stand on a roster <laughs> for four days or so and we'll be more than happy to talk to um, anybody about Kite Wairo and what it looks like and, and people will be able to, to use it as well as part of the demo side of things that Jen mentioned before. So you're really looking forward to, to an exciting week at Digital Health Week. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today. What a fascinating discussion. And thanks to Spark Health for sponsoring this podcast episode. Um, to our listeners, be sure to attend Digital Health Week if you want to learn more and meet these people in person. And also be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you can take the time to review it, please do so as that makes it easier for other people to find. Until next time. Thanks for listening to eHealth Talk. Be sure to subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. eHealth Talk, eHealth News and the eHealth TV webinar series are supported by Health Informatics New Zealand. See hins.org.nz for more information and become a member starting at just $17 a month. We also have affordable organisational membership options now for both our industry partners and healthcare providers.